Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, and I have back on the podcast, Angel Law and Alex Baker, JD. The last time we were on, we discussed how to survive the family court system and live to tell. This was season three, episode 122, and I welcome you both back. We're going to talk about judges today. So welcome back, Angel and Alex. Hi, Hi Marianne. Thanks Hi. for having me back on. I'm glad you both are on. Thank you so much for coming back on. So, judges, let's get to it. judges well, gone here, wild. Here, here's the here on uh, judges gone wild. Here's my very first thought about judges, um, and that is that um, judges were never supposed to decide cases. Okay, we in the United States inherited our legal system from England in what came to be called the common law. And uh, we have a right to a jury trial. Now you can look it up in the constitution in the sixth amendment and the seventh amendment. It says right there, you have a right to a jury trial in a civil case, right to a jury trial in a criminal case. Somewhere along the line, and, and actually it's a bit of a mystery how, but they started making up these new kinds of court systems uh, like the family court system, like child welfare court, like probate court, like vaccine court, and all sorts of other ones. And these are court trials or judge trials, and which means that the judge is both judge and jury. And this is exactly the thing that, uh, that the, the English back in the Middle Ages figured out is, is tyrannical. You can't have the government being the jury and, and the finder of fact. This is why we came up with the idea of juries. And a judge was only supposed to be there to make sure that the proceeding was fair, but it's always supposed to be up to a jury to, uh, to weigh the evidence and to uh, and be the finder of fact. So I, I don't even know how, how it even came about, but no part of it is really... Um, it is okay in my mind. And yeah. I'd like to add a little bit about uh, to that. So Alex touched upon a really important point, which is made up courts. One of the, the best pieces of advice you could ever get is don't go to court. You want a, a, a decent life. Don't go to court. Find mediators, competent mediators, family, uh, churches used to do divorces, separate as many assets as humanly possible. Um, and now I, I laugh because I actually wrote up a, a stipulated agreement and uh, it's been a disaster. So I'm probably not the best person to talk to about that. However, Alex um, is has mediated many cases and you'll always come out with a better outcome. Uh, judges are basically taking Polaroid pictures of your case. They know nothing about your case. They know even less about the law for the most part. And then they're making decisions. It's it's a complete insanity. And you're pissing away thousands of dollars to do this. So number one, don't go to court. It, I know people are like, well, my ex is a narcissist. Don't, don't, I don't even want to hear that. 
Like you can take a bank account and say, here's half. You can take two cars and say, you get this one and I get this one. You do not need a, a, a scummy attorney to help you do that. And just as Alex pointed out, you know, the middle ages figured out that a judge, a, a one judge would be too corrupt. So if you look at a court system and it only has one judge on its face, initially, you know that it can't go well for you. Now, in the rare occasion that you you do get a good judge and we have people tell us about how their case was great uh, or seemingly going well, but then the judge left. In my experience, I've seen that when a court has a good judge, they especially in the family court, they find a way to get rid of them or you'll hear um you know, the, there are a couple of decent attorneys in the country and they'll say things like, oh, that's a really good judge. And you're like, how can there be a good or a bad judge? Because they're just supposed to be looking at a law and applying it. But the fact that they say that it's a good judge, that me, it, that demonstrates it's a rarity. So one, don't go to court. And two, uh, you know, we have a lot to talk about in terms of judges gone wild where the law doesn't matter where the, the best legal work won't matter, where your attorney won't matter, where your good efforts, your, um, your, your being a law-abiding citizen won't work. So judges gone wild, can it, they can take your life. Mm -hmm. and, and Alex will talk about that today, how a woman lost her life. Um, you know, though she's alive, she's a prisoner of a, um, of a mental institution when she's fully competent. Um, you know, I had my children taken. Um, Alex had his children, his business, his intellectual, really Alex's property rights, because Alex is not only a legal expert, but he was a composer. And how could anybody have the rights to his, what he composed, but they took that too. And so it's really important to know that if you have a bad judge, you need to get out. And when an attorney says, oh, don't worry, let's see how the rulings go. No, 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 no. And this crap of we can appeal it. No, 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 no. That's not going to work. If you see the red flags of a bad judge, act early, act immediately. And we're going to talk about things that actually work. Um, I, I wholly appreciate the notion that we're supposed to have a jury trial. But once you've already entered the court of consent and you've let these um, evil doers get a hold of your life, you're in pretty deep trouble to begin with. It's like, you know, people are afraid of going to jail because of who's inside. Mm -hmm. Hey, man, you ain't seen nothing until you've met the cartel. Uh, as we we talked about all the things that they can take away from you. So I, I look forward to jumping into things that actually work. Um, people have been reaching out to me, I suppose, and everything that's gone on in my case uh, of recent had to do with me removing a judge. Uh, and it should be noted that I went through seven and a half years with one extra corrupt judge. I did not know how bad it was. Nothing would get done in my case. I would later come to find out my judge had previously uh, been busted for the crime of ticket fixing. And he had used his official office to influence another judicial officer who reported him. And rather than like getting arrested for a felony, uh, he was publicly admonished, which is like the stupidest thing ever. Like, 
And you know what was a way better public admonishment than the creepy CJP was the media reported, hey, this judge used his official office to commit a crime and he didn't get removed from the bench. And so the the court system already condones judge crime. If you and I had some way of going to a court and uh, influencing another judge to remove a ticket, ticket fixing rack, which is racketeering, we go to we go to federal prison. And I and, and I actually know people who did go to federal prison, good people who were very, very low level in, you know, accidentally involved in the uh, 2016 County of Orange uh, ticket fixing scandal that led to the Department of Justice investigating the court. I think I mentioned that before, how some people, average people went to prison and judges got public admonishments, which which to me is actually doubling down, saying nothing will happen to you. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, judges, we want you to know you can commit crimes on the bench. You won't even lose your job. You won't face a financial consequence. We'll just change which courtroom you're in. So go ahead. Do whatever you want. Speed, if you will. Um, because there's there's no uh, accountability here mm-hmm. in the court system. We love mm-hmm. criminals. Mm-hmm. We are the criminals. Mm-hmm. So um, getting rid of bad judges. Let's talk about um, let's talk about when you have a like you you're you're starting off in court. Let's just pretend that you're starting off in court and you get assigned to one of these legendary bad judges where people say like, oh, she's the worst judge ever. He's the worst judge ever. He hates dads. She hates women in so California. Wait, wait, Chrissy, let me I, let, let me jump in because, I, yeah. you know, um, you know, how do you define what's a good judge and what's a bad judge? Because I've had a lot of experience with, with people. And in a lot of cases, not all, but in a lot of cases, people think that the judge is good when they're ruling in their favor. And people think the judge is bad when they're ruling against them. You know, so one person's good judge might be another person's bad judge. I'm sure my ex-wife thinks that all of the judges in my case are great absolutely fabulous you know because well she got everything you know uh you know three houses two children one business a million dollars and my entire life's work you know and it took eight years uh but that was the net result right so you know how do you um i i guess you might say well you know a good judge is one that follows the law and in some cases that, you know, uh, we, we certainly have uh, judges who violate statutory black letter law in, in some of these nonsense orders that they make. But in a lot of cases, the judges can follow the law and still screw you over. Yeah. And they're, they're, there's almost always something they can point to in the law that says, yep, the judge can do that. It's mostly they, they have this this fancy word called discretion, right? Uh, you know, the, in the judge's sound discretion, which the appeal courts almost never overturned something that was a matter of the, the trial court judge's discretion, right? But what does discretion mean? That is just simply a fancy word that means the judge can make it up. Mm-hmm. The judge can just make shit up. That's, you know, and, and when you really look at the law, 
Um, there is no law, and that's actually um, the, 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 the point, one of the points that I get to in my upcoming book, which I want to plug here uh, just for a second, if, if, if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the, uh, the book is called Railroading, Stonewalling, and Gaslighting. I just want to scroll down this, the, the cover artwork, which I'm proud of. I did this myself, um, and this is like a Photoshop work here that I think describes um, kind of the frustration and the pain and the tragedy uh, of railroading and stonewalling and gaslighting and the human tragedy uh, that it that it really tr- uh, tr- truly is. So um, it's yeah, I 100% agree with you, Christy, that um, you know friends don't let friends go to family court. Okay, uh, if if you can possibly work anything out with your ex, you are much better off. To, to do that. And remember, you basically can agree to whatever you can agree to for whatever reason or for no reason. But what it takes is to lay down the war construct of, oh, I'm going to win in, in family court, right? And to replace it with, with a peace construct, which basically says, we're going to forget about who's right and who's wrong morally. We're going to forget about um, you know, who cheated on who or who lied to who or whatever, we're just going to realize that no matter what our dispute is all about, the court system is not here to help us. It's not. It's an extortion racket. It was set up as an extortion racket from the word go, and it works fine for, for what they intended to work for. And when both people in this case are sane and reasonable, then you're not in court. You either don't go to court at all, uh, or you go in for a minute and you figure out that it's bullshit, and you get, and you say, "Wait a minute, this could easily turn into a financial disaster or an emotional disaster for both of us." We don't want that. We don't need that. And so you're you're able to work it out like adults. Of course, you have to. Be a grown up about things. You have to put your big boy boxers and your your big girl panties on, and uh, and lay all of this other stuff aside and mm-hmm. just work out an equitable agreement. When either side is insane or unreasonable, well, then family court loves you. You are mm-hmm. the perfect storm, and you will come in and you will not get out of family court until the money's gone and until your hearts are broken your mind is destroyed until you are railroaded and stonewalled and gaslit right and um and and you know you and i and all of us all three of us have seen this over and over and and over again so i you know it's tough yeah get rid of of the bad judges we got a judge removed you know from your case didn't we christy and we might have to uh do it again. So, right. um, yeah. But, 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 okay. So that was a great victory, right? And I have some some victories in in my case along the way too. Some some amazing ones, right? I got an entire federal trial overturned in the Ninth Circuit. Okay, as as in pro per against big media lawyers, right? But these end up being battles. And not the war. 
So it seems like they'll they'll let you win a, a battle here or there, mm-hmm. but when they want to, when they, you know, but the outcome of the whole war is 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 predetermined, and and um, so yeah, we we got your judge Nathan Vu uh, removed because what Judge Vu was doing in your case was threatening to take your kids away from you as punishment for your continued litigation in the case. He was basically saying, you know, you you keep coming back with all these uh, motions and and things and he won't just go away. And so I think that this is damaging to the children and we're going to find them nice foster parents. That's exactly what this judge said. And we wrote this up and we got this judge disqualified. And in fact, the the order that came down from a supervising judge was just, just it just excoriated this judge Vu, just ripped him a whole new one, which was gratifying, um, to, and rare, right? To to actually get a judge disqualified from your case for cause, but meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Mm-hmm. Right now, they put in this guy, Judge Waltz, in Christie's case, and he is he's threatening to take her house. Okay, in Christie's case, they already settled the house six years ago. They stipulated that the house was going to be 100% belong to Christie, and there was other stuff on on his side of the equation. They agreed to this. They stipulated. They signed it. Then he tried to claim a few a, a further interest in the house, and so. Christy had to go back to court in about 2019 um, and and get a judgment, which he did from a judge, a judge named Sarmiento. Um, and the, the judge said right on the record, the house belongs 100% to Christy, and this is to be reduced to a final judgment. It says so right in the record. But then Christy goes with her lawyers, and they try to enter a judgment, and the clerks won't accept the filing at the window and other nonsense. And, and, and so, and now, uh, this new judge who's only been on the job for a few weeks, doesn't even really know the case is making him relitigate the, the, the house or some aspect or says husband might be entitled to some kind of reimbursement claims or some nonsense. And so therefore we're going to seize the house and sell it. Why? to pay the attorneys. That's why. Okay. So they're still after eight years, they're still threatening to come after her house, man. So I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I'd love to see you try to settle Christy. I know it's impossible. Well, I already did like three or four times and you know, he's gonna, I mean, I'm, well, it's also now I know people like sometimes like, like the whole word narcissist, like, I'm sorry. I, I could care less. I don't need a mental health diagnosis on my ex. Um, unfortunately, it's just a fact that a person can form their own opinion from. My ex really does have, uh, you know, a 587 felony count indictment for drug trafficking, weapons possession, criminal syndicate, the whole bit, like, and concealed that from me. And then he actually calls himself and so does the state and especially this court he goes by three completely separate unique identities three different driver's licenses in three different states and the court 
hasn't reined this conduct in. So we go back to the fact of judges gone wild. And, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll briefly touch upon something else that where you don't need court just so that people know you don't need a judge, you don't need a judge gone wild, mm-hmm. is um, I've uh, worked with couples where they actually divide their assets prior to filing. This is one of my new favorite things to do. Mm-hmm is that you get a couple and, and now there was domestic violence between this couple. It was bad. Um, but I knew that it would just get worse in court. And I was able to talk to the good person in that situation and say, look, the judges are going to make this worse. So they actually divided their assets. And then we filed uh, with the court that the court had nothing to divide. So it was a $10 million estate. And the scumbag court never got their greasy mitts on the uh, estate. So the whole thing was divided prior to filing. So all the court could do is just, uh, you know, terminate their their marriage. But the parties had uh, separated their assets before filing. So it was really it was just magnificent. Ten million dollar estate. Wow. That's 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 absolutely what you can do and, and need to do. Right. You can show up in court with what's called a stipulated judgment. And it, and again, with maybe one exception, you're allowed to agree to whatever you want to agree to. Um, and the, the one exception might be child support payments. If those are, if those are coming, they, they, in California anyway, they're, they have certain e- equations that are supposed to determine how much a, um, a child support payment is supposed to be based on your income and expenses and all that kind of stuff. And so, but, but other than that, you can agree to whatever you want to agree to for any reason or for no reason, or because the sky is blue, uh, doesn't, does not matter. Right. And, and you not only can do that, uh, but you should do that. Uh, you, if you're, if both parties are saying, again, I think I said this the last time I was on, uh, your podcast, Marianne, mm-hmm. but uh, I have seen divorces where there was plenty of uh, net worth and assets and houses and children and things to fight about, but they worked it out. They didn't fight. Um, you know, he moved out and got um, a, a pretty nice apartment nearby. The kids would go back and forth. He had a new girlfriend. She had a new boyfriend. They were fine with all of that. And the children were fine. Mm-hmm. They, they absolutely would take their attitude from the grown-ups around them. But if the grown-ups around them are filling their head full of messages like, you know, dad, you know, the same dad who, who read you bedtime stories and was basically, uh, you know, I was a very involved father who never hit you, who, who never, now all of a sudden you're supposed to believe he's a monster and we can go get like a, an assassin therapist to say that he's a monster and to say that the upset that you minor child are feeling is actually a mental illness called adjustment disorder. Okay. And, and, and the fact that you're having a difficult time adjusting to the new fact that your father is a monster when we all know he's actually um, a nice guy who never did anything wrong to you. Right. Uh, you know, then that's, that's the way this can go. Now you absolutely, you know, like in my case, you know, my, my kids were handling even divorce for the first year or, or, or so of it, more or less just fine. Then the restraining order comes down. Now all of a sudden dad's a monster. 
dad is, you know, mm-hmm. unsafe to be alone with and all this nonsense. Now the, the, the younger, my younger daughter is cutting herself. Uh, my older daughter is deciding that she wants to be transgender and wants to have, you know, wants to mutilate her body with surgery and go on uh, hormones and all this kind of stuff. Um, which that's another whole topic, another whole subject. But the point is, kids will take their attitudes from the, from the grownups around them, and you can make it absolutely cool for them and, and not really a problem, or you can make their life and your own life an absolute living hell. Right? Mm-hmm. It's really up to you, you know, if, if you guys can, can do it. So uh, there you go. And also another thing that I think Mary and I both experienced was um, uh, when there's a new partner that comes in and my ex started uh, dating and he was dating like a lot of women and I didn't care because I never even really liked my ex. I couldn't really stand him. So when I got divorced, I was just like, it was just a transition of like, I finally didn't have to deal with him, but I I, I didn't like, I didn't have like, a love with him. I was held hostage, which my ex even admitted to um, in papers that he used the marriage as a way of keeping me with him. Mm-hmm. And so it was like a great relief for me. But when he got this new girlfriend and he had a lot of girlfriends, which I, I didn't have any emotional energy over, I was like so relieved not to be with him. Um, I was even happy at one point when he was having sex with one of my nannies, because it was like, I was so thrilled that I didn't, he didn't, he would leave me alone. It was mm-hmm. like, I was so thrilled. Like I pay her $300 a week and she picks up the kids and has to deal with him. I was thrilled. I knew it was going on. It was like some of the best years of uh, my life. But what, what wound up happening was this woman came in and she's not a very attractive female, you know, low, uh, you know, modest education, you know, kind of like she's cliche trashy. And so, she became like jealous of me. And even though I had no emotional connection to her, she, she decided that I needed to be destroyed and like that, that would make him happy. So I went from being like physically attacked at my children's school. Um, like, you know, her telling my children really interesting adult topics, um, about me. And so she was like, she like was like the a parasite like attempting to take over the host and like steal my children because she was also childless mm-hmm. and then she like you know like my ex-husband proposed to me i think six weeks after meeting me and he wouldn't marry her until she got knocked up which was like six years into it so you could see like and, and she would even tell my children like your father's still in love with your mother and my kids would come to me with this and like alex is saying these adults can like, you know, kids, kids just need to be kids. Right. And Mm -hmm. now I, I'm sorry, women, I'm going to say this because it's true. I don't see new men coming into women's lives and pulling this as frequently as I see single females come in and try to steal the biological mother's role or like want to be called mom and, right. you know, I had the unique privilege of like, I dated this, like I dated this guy with like five kids and another guy with five kids. I don't know wh- why I had this like five kid, uh, <laughs> single dad thing going on, but, 
I used to tell the, like I'd meet the women and I actually stayed friends with all of them after I went our own ways. But I would tell the moms, like, you're their mother. I'm the person that's dating their dad. And I'd even tell the kids, like, hey, look, like, I'm just a visitor. And your father needs to treat your mother better than he ever treats me. And I'm, I'm, your, I'm your friend. I will help you. Um, I, you know, you're, you know, all respect goes to your mother and it, 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 it relieved the children, you know, it, it made for this wonderful, like, unless a parent dies, you know what else? I also don't like the name stepmom or stepdad Mm -hmm. unless the parent has passed away. I don't, I, I really don't even like, don't go for the bonus mom or bonus dad. You have you have two parents, and I'm, I'm sorry, but unless they are violent, that that is, you get one mom and one dad, and then the other people are are people who can love you. But step parent is for when a parent perishes, not for the new person that the uh, that the biological has in in their life. I'm sorry. That's it's this just- is this is the problem, and you hit on it. And it's about emotions. It's, a, I mean, every divorce, breakup, it's full of jealousy and anger and, and disappointment and hostility and, and all of that, right? And I think one of the most interesting things that we can ask, one of the most interesting questions that we can ask about ourselves as human beings is to what extent is it even possible to rise above our instincts, right? Because this is, it gets right down to just basic instincts, right? We all have them. And, and men have survival instincts to, to dominate on other men, right? And women uh, have instincts, uh, you know, called hypergamy to basically um, to mate up the the social ladder as it were um and and we ha- we have all of these and it goes i mean i'm quite sure it goes back to a hundred thousand years ago when we were just hunter gatherers uh, on the savannah we all developed these instincts including these these very very strong you know, emotions of fear and jealousy and anger and all that uh, because it it helped us survive and those who, who, who weren't willing to fight for what was important would perish, right? But now we've made this modern society, and a lot of that is just no longer appropriate. You know, we, we, we most of the time don't need our fight or flight instinct to run away from tigers. So that same instinct comes out in a court of law where we're, you know, where we're fighting this kind of a fight, but it's not really a, a physical fight at all. And so the hardest thing, but it's so important, is we need to have our, our reason, which we all have. We all have emotions and we all also have reason and, and, and thought. And, and we should allow and try to have our reason overcome our emotions because of course we're angry at our ex of course we're jealous and spiteful and malevolent and all of these feelings and this is what makes us fall right into their trap this is exactly why the trap 
is 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 laid. And um, I, you can see this graphic that I have up right now. It's uh, the dividing line. That's actually going to be the name of my upcoming podcast. That once I get resituated in my new location, now I'm going to start uh, doing a a podcast called the Dividing Line. And it's the name is inspired by one of my favorite quotes by uh, a guy called Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who wrote uh, the book, The Gulag Archipelago. He was a, um, a, a dissident. He spent a bunch of years in the Gulag in, in Soviet Russia back in the day, eventually got out. But his quote, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but his quote was, the dividing line between good and evil goes right down the middle of every human heart. And that's very, very meaningful to me. And it, it touches on what you were talking about, Christy, which is that you know, we want to blame him and she wants to blame him and he wants to blame her and it's his fault and it's her fault and he said, she said, and all of that. But actually, we all have the potential for good inside of us. We all have the potential for evil. And at a certain point, we can just have a peace construct and we can lay down war and we can declare peace in where, wherever we are in this process and and reach out to the other side and, and hope, hope that they're in that place too. Now, unfortunately, my experience has been most of the time that actually doesn't happen, that when people do want to come to the bargaining table, it's not because they suddenly became a, a good person or they suddenly accessed that that part inside their own heart, which is good. It's because of leverage. Like, you know, they, they realized that they were going to lose the house. So now they want to, you know, come and, and, and try to make a settlement or they're going to, you know, some other bad thing that they, they think is going to happen. Well, you know, if that's what it takes, it's still an appeal to reason. It's still, if, if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. But there's just no question that this court system is an extortion racket. It is nothing good. And you're, they're not in it for you, that there's no such thing as justice. It's not what it's about. It's about taking the money and destroying families. And so that's why one of the conclusions of my, of my book is basically you have no rights and there is no law. Now, I know that's a, that's a lot more cynical and, and pessimistic compared to uh, Christie's view, and that's fine. You know, you don't have to agree with me uh, and my voluntarist views uh, to be my friend. You know, um, I'm, I'm very open to, 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 to anybody's thoughts on, on what they think uh, can be the solution to this. I mean, Marianne, you've been in this and you've been doing this podcast for a while, had a lot of people on. I mean, do you have any uh, any thoughts on, on what's really wrong here or, or what some solutions can be? I think they should just abolish family court and take it back down to the civil court where you are allowed to have preferably a jury of 12 and not six. Okay. And just get rid of these, the family court. I know there's, um, you know, these attorneys that have worked with the judge in the DA's department, which was in my case. And, you know, there's always going to be this chumminess, but I think what they should also do, if someone becomes a judge, they should force them to move three counties away. Mm -hmm. That way, 
they're not chummy with all the other lawyers in the courthouse. That's a suggestion. Probably will never. Yeah, happen. I mean, I don't know how long it would take, you know, if they move three counties or three states. I, I don't know how long it would take, you know, to get to know, you know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Right. Right? I, I don't know. You know, it's, um, so I mean, I, I kind of have a background in economics as well as law and music and a lot of other things. And economics is a lot about incentives, right? Um, what, you know, whatever people can make money doing, they're, they're probably going to do that. And if you subsidize it, there's going to be more of that. Uh, whatever you tax or punish in some way, you're, you're going to get less of that. And so... Yeah, I mean, you look at this through the lens of, of, of economics and they are, there's a bunch of federal funding for a lot of what these family courts are doing. And even when there's not, you know, like taking children away, for example, and putting them into foster care, there's big money in that. But even if it's just regular family court um, shenanigans, look, this is what these guys do for a living, the lawyers and also the therapists and the custody evaluators and all of the little people uh, all around the court industry. This is their job. And think about it this way, okay? Think about it this way. When your case is over, they lose their job, okay? So does your lawyer want your case to be over? No. Of course not. Nobody wants to lose their job, but that's exactly what happens if your case is, is over, is your judge loses their job. Here's an analogy. Think about professional sports, like the NFL football, right? So the players um, on the field, they care about who wins and loses the, the game because they're professionals and they compete and this is what they do. But think about the league officials and the owners, right? They don't care who wins the Super Bowl. Um, they're making their money on the existence of the game. They're running the game. It's like a like a, a, a like a a pit boss at a Las Vegas casino. They don't care who wins and who loses this hand of poker, mm -hmm. right? They're making their money running the game itself. The only thing they don't want is for the game to be over, right? You know, what do you mean we're ending the season early? No, absolutely not. What do you mean we're closing down the casino? No. And, and what do you mean the case is over? No. The, the, these lawyers and the other people, they don't want your case to be over. They want it to go on and on and on. And this is the system that they've set up. And when you view it through this, this kind of a lens of incentives, then all these, the, the mysterious disappearance of your of your motion that never got ruled on, right? How many times have we heard that? All of a sudden, it's not so mysterious because they know if they bring that motion, it might go a long way towards solving this case. Mm -hmm. They don't want that. Amen. Why? Yep. Because money. That's why. That's why. And and when you look at it as as just a it's just it's just business, baby. When you look at it that way, then a lot of this what we see is corruption all of a sudden just becomes a, a whole lot more um, just e e e easy to understand. You know? like they're churning cases, for sure. They're churning yeah. cases. Um, you know, I met with one of the court supervisors and shamelessly she admitted to a case having 
persisted for 21 years. So, <laughs> oh my we God. know. I mean, mine's in year nine, and so is yours, Christy, right? Yeah, I know. I know. They're churning. And if you look at the, you know, because, you know, people are like, how do you figure this stuff out? How do you, like, how do, okay. If you look at a case number, at least in the county of Orange in Los Angeles, what they typically do is they'll give you the year, then a code, and then there's a sequence of numbers. So, you know, like I'm a 00459. And for the year of 2014, I'm case number 459 filed because it was filed in January. So when people interface with me and they, you know, give me their case number, I'll say, oh, you've probably filed around June. And they're like, yeah, how do you know? And it's really a simple number, just like police reporting numbers. And then when you say that to people, well, one thing I quickly do is at the end of every calendar year, I check what the final filing number is. And let's say in 2016, we were at an apex. And I think we were around 17,000 cases filed for the county of Orange with a population of approximately 3.8 million people. By the time we got to 2021, it was 79, oh, forgive me, 2020, the case number was 7,900, which meant that the number of divorces had fallen in half. Mm -hmm. Now, if the number of divorce cases fell in half, where the hell are the scumbag attorneys and judges getting their business from? Because their, their, their number of victims are in half. So they have to hold on to the vintage cases and continue to churn them. So they have active cases before the court to then demand from the federal government, hey, our scummy court has like 30,000 active cases. We need more money. Well, yeah, they need more. They're, they're claiming this, but it's on the false pretense that they've held the cases. There's decisional delays. Um, they, they will not let the cases conclude. And Alex is right on the money, the money, the money. This is all about mm -hmm. money, not about you, not about your children. We've beaten it. You know, it's a, it's a, a dead horse at this point, right? That we just keep beating. And you you actually it. raise another very troubling point, uh, perhaps without even intending to. And that is the secrecy of the entire situation, the entire system. Is, a, is actually a, a secret system because otherwise, why would you have to sit here and try to decode like when cases were filed or, or how many cases were filed in a particular year? What ought to be, if you're gonna have this court system, it ought to be completely transparent, completely public. And of course, every court proceeding should be live streamed and recorded. It should be a matter of public record that anybody research at any time if i wanted to know you know how many cases were filed how many cases settled what the average amount of money in some kind of an award was what the average child support payment is uh how long the, the typical case lasts and any other kind of mm -hmm. data or information that i want to know i should be able to figure that out it should be a matter of of just um, plugging numbers, you know, from the publicly available data and, and, and crunching the numbers. We cannot do that. We have no idea how many, you know, how many cases are overturned on appeal. Why? What are the issues? You know, we should know this. And the reason we don't is because it's still a top secret system. It is absolutely top secret. And this is what they use confidentiality 
supposedly. And that's just, uh, you know, to, to, to seal cases, to strike things from the record, to place them under seal, to close down the courtroom, to, to not allow reporters, to not allow cameras, to not allow all of this. Supposedly, you know, it's, it's to, you know, to protect privacy or confidentiality. And it's nonsense. Mm-hmm. That is not why. The reason for all of this confidentiality uh, is to, for them to be able to control the evidence uh, completely, and especially the evidence of their own wrongdoing. Um, and it's just like in so many of these protective orders, uh, domestic violence restraining orders, are not in place to protect somebody against their violent acts. They're put in place to protect that person against the legal process, right? And so, by the way, I can, um, I'm proud to announce that um, starting January 1st of 2023, um, there, uh, it's going to be law in the state of California what, what ought to be called the Alex Baker Act. Um, they have now, because I'm convinced, because of my case, they have officially connected domestic violence abuse with vexatious litigant statute, um, and they've made a new rule that um, that one instance of a supposedly frivolous or harassing uh, motion that you file in a family law case, one can be considered an act of, of domestic violence abuse um, and can subject you to a lifetime vexatious litigant order, which means that once they have that vexatious litigant order in place, you are no longer allowed to file anything in your case. You're not allowed to file anything. You just have to stand there with, with your hands tied behind your back while they litigate like hell against you, and you can't do anything, which is basically um, what, what they did um, to me. And um, it's just, I mean, this, this vexatious litigant statute, I'm out a whole section in my book um, about, about bullshit laws, which mm-hmm. where the law itself is corrupt, right? They've written the laws in such a way that it's corrupt. And then the judges can fairly apply that bullshit law, right? And then when it goes to an appeal, they can say, well, they, they did everything by the book, so nothing wrong here. Well, wait a minute. You know, wait just a, a minute, right? Like vexatious litigant. If that's a good law, why should it only apply to people in pro per, right? Why should a person who can't afford an attorney be allowed to litigate vexatiously when a person who cannot afford an attorney is not allowed to do that, right? If it's wrong for them, why is it not? No, it's just another way they discriminate against poor people. There are so many of these nonsense laws, man. And I have a, like a whole, um, a, a, a whole section on them where they've just written the laws to, to just basically add up to there is no law. The law is whatever the judge says. And that's probably the only thing you really need to know. If you're thinking about going into family court or you're already in family court or whatever, 
and you're trying to figure out the law and you see there's all these millions of statutes and rules of court and rules of evidence and all these case law after case law after case law and all this stuff and you're trying to make sense of it all and you've got you know a stack of reading this high that you really should do you know, forget about it forget it you don't need any of that the law is whatever the judge says mm-hmm. that's it that's really all you need to know and you know, how do you how do you win yeah you don't, uh, unless you can form a personal, close relationship with the judge. And if you can do that, then you can win for sure. But you can also, if you try to do that and they don't like you, you can go to jail for that, right? So um, it's not fair. You have no rights and uh, and there is no law. Um, and so that's, and and something I, I want to add, add to that on is the people who are probably listening to this, you guys are the ones who are you know, stonewalled, railroaded, and gaslit into not winning. Because like Alex described, the the psychopath is the court's sweetheart. So the person who quote unquote wins is is not going to be the person who's on the right side of morality. And, you know, there are some good judges. Look, I'm not saying that they're all bad, but it's kind of like when people are embezzling in a company, mm-hmm. everyone's not in on it. You only get together the bastards and they have the, you know, the, the crew of bastards who are conspiring, knowing, let's say, you know, cause I've dealt with it. You know, I had a, a company, I was a CFO over 1500 employees and I had a small group, three people. It was maybe three, like, kingpins and then there were some you know minions involved but their theft from the company could have cost 1500 people their job they were they were not out in the open right they were so selfish and so greedy that uh, you know i faced a company collapsing because of the criminal conduct and greed of a very small group of people so that happens all the time in a corporate setting and we recognize it. But so people think that, and I did, you know, I'm one of those people. I, when I started in this nine years ago, I believed in the, like the United States. I believed in law. I thought judges were good people. Um, I, like all that's gone. Right. Um, but the whole idea here is a really small group of people can steal all of the wealth, all of the assets, all of what's right. And they don't care if a thousand of you starve and die. If one of them gets a golf membership, like we are that disposable as humans. And, you know, I I don't know, like even like things I didn't know going into family court Um, in, in California, any person can be a judge. You can you can go to one of your friends and they can act as your judge and everyone can agree and you can sign off. Alex Baker can be your judge. If you want somebody that actually knows the law, would fairly apply it, you could go to somebody like Alex Baker. It sure as hell isn't one of those, you know, people wearing a costume to come to work. <laughs> Folks, if, if somebody is wearing a costume to come to work, you should probably be fairly suspicious of them, right? Like if they put on a powdered wig, that would be going too far. But wearing the silly black robe, like, 
like that's a, <laughs> that's a costume like you you mm-hmm. could just wear like a shirt and tie <laughs> but no 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 they're gonna put on a costume and then they're gonna sit in a box that's higher than you mm-hmm. and you're gonna call them your honor like like you're gonna give them this title of that that you make them into a deity all rise <laughs> genuflect (laughs) no that's it it is very much a religious belief um and um that actually you know i know i sound very cynical and pessimistic and in a sense i am but i actually do have a a message of hope and and an actual you know solutions and you'll ultimately you're going to have to get my book and and get to the end of it to actually get to that uh, message of hope. But I'd actually, if if you guys would indulge me, I'd like to just read um, a couple paragraphs uh, from my book just as a teaser, uh, and hopefully um, and I'm going to be setting up hopefully like a a pre-sale um, uh, option for people um, who want to uh, pre pre-buy it. I, I I hope to have it all done. And ready to go by about February first, uh, but we'll just have to see. But would it, would that be okay if I just um, sure. I'd like to read my uh, like my dedications and then mm-hmm. maybe like the first part of, of the of the first part. So um, here's the dedication to my book to my children, Dylan Kay and Ryan Shea. I could no more stop loving you than I could stop breathing air. The loyalty conflict was not necessary and not your fault. My door forever remains open, should you choose to walk in. With appreciation for Larkin Rhodes, voluntarist and author of The Most Dangerous Superstition. While I became a voluntarist long before I discovered his work, Larkin provides the clearest explanation for what is wrong with the world, the irrational belief in rightful authority. In memory of my lawyer, my supervisor, and my friend, Mark Angelucci, 1968 to 2020. Mark was one of the finest civil rights lawyers and most decent human beings I've ever had the privilege to work alongside, let alone call my good friend. He gave his life in the fight against court corruption. I promised Mark that if anything were to happen to him, I would publish the secret poem he previously shared only with me, swearing me to secrecy. It's in here. To Lisa, for your love and support, I couldn't do it without you. And most of all, this book is dedicated to everyone who came to court looking for justice and got railroaded, stonewalled, and gaslit instead. Now here's the, uh, the very first part. Your um, first chapter is called, You Have No Rights and There Is No Law. It's a quote from Lysander Spooner. Uh, All these cries of having abolished slavery, of having saved the country, of having preserved the union, of establishing a government of consent, and of maintaining the national honor are all gross, shameless, transparent cheats. So transparent that they ought to deceive no one. That's Lysander Spooner, which if you don't know who he is, he's one of my intellectual heroes. Uh, he lived in the 19th century. He was the author of such works as The Constitution of No Authority and No Treason, The Unconstitutionality of Slavery. Here's a quick sketch for the uninitiated. The court system in California is a horrible nightmare of unspeakable cruelty. It amounts to a giant bribery and extortion racket operated 
by high-paid gangs of despicable, narcissistic sociopaths in suit and tie who subversively conspire to pocket as much money as possible by destroying families, stealing properties, and trafficking children. It also has a dark side. Okay, so uh, that's just a little teaser, and uh, thank you very much uh, for indulging me. You can uh, should be able to um, uh, point your your camera on your cell phone at the little QR code in in my hand right now, and that's take you right to my site at Postmodern Justice Media Project. And uh, thanks so much for for having me back on. Uh, if you guys want to uh, go for it, I'm going to have to jump out of here in just a, a, a few minutes to, to get on with my day. But I look forward to doing it again. Uh, Alex, real can, good I, time. can I, for a PMJMP.org, uh, uh, can I um, suggest that the entire removal of Judge Vu, that you can post it from A to Z so that persons suffering in the court system can at least see the full volley back and forth. Um, because I think that there's so much loss when we read opinions, like in an appeal, that even those are, you know, usually a bunch of lies and fantasies and, uh, you know, revisions of the facts of a case. But I'd, I'd love it if you could have all of that available, um, you know, really from A to Z of what happened so that people can see the the beautiful work to uh first remove the judge the judge's um canned response as is provided by the state uh, judicial council for judges to get out of being removed uh then the work replying to that disgusting um non-responsive response and then yeah the so i think i have that um okay. and so uh hopefully you can see that up right now um so yeah the the site is post modern justice media project it's at pmjmp.org there is a blog you can search there's a search bar uh, up near the top and if you would search for judge vu then this article should come up judge nathan vu disqualified in scathing 18 page admonishment um there's a link to the motion uh that i was proud to have written uh here's an expert e excerpt from the transcripts um here is there is a link to judge vu's verified statement which i describe as a pack of lies and his memorandum which i describe as boilerplate bullshit. um da -da 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 -da, and then there's a reply brief um, so you can get that. There are there are links to all of that. Like let's see here. Uh, um, um, yeah, let's see if this link decides to work. Yeah, sure, this is working. Right. So yeah, those are there. And um, so yeah, that's how you can find it. Here's um, the scathing 18-page opinion and order. And uh, there's oh, and then of course we we got this good order. From this judge david cowan who's now been promoted up to department one in downtown los angeles which he would be the, the supervising judge over the entire civil law uh department and but this is the same judge david cowan who used to be a probate judge and he's the guy who completely screwed over bradford lund 
the uh, heir to the Disney fortune. And that's a whole other can of worms. What, what, uh, you know, what happened um, in that case. Right. So yeah, again, um, there's never a shortage of material. Is there, I could go on. I, I mean, and that's going to be one of the cool things about my book. It's going to be an ebook and also an audio book, but you're, uh, there will be links to all of the supporting documentation. There'll be links to templates, uh, for, for do it yourself. Um, so if you want to, um, you know, do it either the way I do it, you can absolutely have templates for that. Uh, or if you want to screw your ex over in the same way that my ex screwed me over, right? You can see exactly how she did it. Cause this is, this is something that I have to face. And people have asked me that I said, you know, Alex, aren't you worried that um, if you explain all this stuff that's gone on in court, that people will use it as a how-to book, you know? And well, yeah, yeah, they will. So I can't help how people use knowledge and information, right? So if you want to uh, you know, be good and honorable and moral and decent and become a voluntarist uh, like me, then yeah, my book is for you. But if you want to just railroad and stonewall and gaslight your ex and completely screw him or her over, and you want to try to understand how my ex-wife and her lawyers did it to me, well, you could use the book that way too. So I, I'm just going to put it out there and uh, let the chips fall where they may. Well, I, I think we're going to have for... to do a part two. Yes. yes. <laughs> Definitely. A part two. I say what? I think we're going to have to do a part two. And three and four, again, no shortage of material. Uh, it's all, it, it, it's all good. Anytime, pretty much, uh, uh, you know where to find me. Uh, anybody can find me. Come sign up at pmjmp.org and uh, get on my mailing list to stay in touch with, uh, uh, with me and up to date on the progress on the book. Also, I, did, I got invited to speak at a conference that's coming up. I don't actually have the link for that site right now, but I, I will shortly, but it's, um, it's through Jim Fetzer and his um, false flags and conspiracies conference. So it's just like his third one um, of those. And I am going to be giving a talk about uh, basically you have no rights and there is no law. And I'm going to be going through uh, a lot of the material from my book and plugging my book, of course. And uh, so, um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a really crazy crazy world that they have fashioned for it. But I do end uh, with a a note of hope and optimism, and and it and it's this. Maybe I can leave with this thought. Um, I feel more confident right now today in November of 2022 for major positive change in this world because so many people are waking up yeah it's true that it, it takes these catastrophes to wake people up but after 2020 and you know 20 years ago after 9 11 and after so many millions of people have been um through family court and and trapped in family court hell one by one by one whatever your reasons are for waking up people are waking up and what they're really waking up to is the fact that just government is a scam just the whole the whole thing is a scam 
And that's troubling until you realize this important fact. The government does not exist. The court system's authority, it doesn't exist. It's just a set of ideas inside your mind. It's ideas that were put there your whole life and your parents' life before you and your grandparents' life before that, but it's just a set of ideas. And actually getting rid of all this authority is as easy as changing your mind. It's, it's very much like when you get to a certain age and you realize that Santa Claus is not real. Now, I'm sorry if some of you are having this broken to you for the first time, but Santa Claus is not real. And, but once you realize that Santa Claus is not real, you don't actually have to waste any time worrying about how, what you're going to do about that, that factory up at the North Pole where they make all those presents and what's going to become of all the elves and, and all this. You don't have to worry about that because it doesn't exist and it never existed. You just stop believing in it. And I know it sounds fantastic. I know it sounds improbable, but fixing this entire mess is as simple as just letting go of this superstition, of this, this belief in this, that, that these people get to rule us. No, actually, they don't. There's nothing that says that it's okay for them to rule and to dominate us and to command us and to order us around. And all the costuming and the shiny badges and all of the rituals and all that, it's all just intended to, to divert your attention away from the people, uh, 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 away from the reality that this is just people who are dominating you and, and, and taking your money and, and doing bad things. And you can stop believing that they have any right to, to do any of this because they, they don't. And being a voluntarist simply means that, that we believe that all human interaction should be voluntary. That's all it means. And it's like the difference between lovemaking and rape. And the act is the same. What's different is one is with consent and the other one is without consent. If you can tell the difference between lovemaking and rape, then you can tell the difference between right and wrong. Because anything with consent is okay. And anything without consent, like the existence of this damn court system, is not okay. It's not right, and it's never right. And it's time for us all to grow up and stop believing in Santa Claus. Um, thank you. My name's Alex Baker, and I hope to uh, talk with all of you again very, very soon. Thank you, Marianne. Thank you, Angel, uh, for uh, for another. I'll see you guys. You. And you'll be back. Thank you. Well, Marianne, I guess I'll lead for the next segment because I think we're going to have to do a 101 on judicial boot camp and how to get rid of judges and the things that we'll cover because we've, you know, it, it's actually a nice prelude yes. when people understand how bad this is mm -hmm. that your attorneys aren't going to tell you what Alex and I, and you just discussed because then it would, as Alex said, make them lose their job. Mm -hmm. So 
you're not going to find this in books and you're not going to find this in the media. You're going to find silly shows, law and order when there is no law and there is no order. Right. And um, so in the judicial boot camp, how to get rid of judges gone wild and how that you must do it early. um, We're going to cover one, uh, at least in California, we have something called a CCP, Civil Code of Procedure 170.6. None of this is legal advice. We're just talking like women here mm-hmm. um, and survivors of uh, corrupt court. So we're going to cover a CCP 170.6. More on attorneys rarely even know the, the, the Civil Code of Procedure to remove judges. So and it's very similar across the country. Um, it's called a preemptory challenge. And what that is, is when I when we started off the podcast, I talked about like horrible judges where they're like, this judge is, you know, yells at people and this judge throws people in jail. Um, even when they say, oh, this judge hates men, um, but you're the woman. It's still a bad judge, as Alex said, because a judge should be like neutral and fair. But um, so in any case, staying away from a bad judge, if you know out of the gate, you have a really bad judge, you have something called this uh, CCP 170.6, which is a preemptory challenge, which means you can get rid of a judge before you ever appear in front of them. You get assigned the judge. You have a requisite number of very short, brief period of time of a few days that you can get rid of a judge. Mm -hmm. Um, Your attorney files, at least in the state of California, a one page document. It's um, even a monkey can do it. a, a, a pro se litigant can do it as well. <laughs> yes. And it it can't be denied. It must be granted. And then your case is to be recycled. Mm-hmm. Now, um, something to know is uh, the Court of Appeal in California uh, had a case where a judge, a presiding judge, um, openly admitted to the fact that any person who uses a 170.6, which is a preemptory challenge, meaning that the judge has to get, the case has to get moved to another judge, says when somebody does that, what I do is I put them in front of the most often disqualified judge. So if you initially file that, they'll put you in front of one of their worst judges. It's That's retaliation on its face. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these awful psychopath judges, megalomanias, um, he, he, he just said, yeah, this is what I do because judge, I love judge crime. So now here's a, a lesser known fact if and you have to get out. You know, Google search it, CCP 170.6. I looked at code section 170.6A4, which also provides that if you, let's say, got started and you were just a newbie and you wound up with one of these son of a bitch judges, Mm -hmm. and let's say you've been almost bankrupted into the point of pro se, if you get a new attorney, And the attorney comes on, even though you've had this bastard judge for, let's say, two years. It renews the 170.6 opportunity and you can do a preemptory challenge years into a case. Attorneys, of course, are stupid and don't know this. Mm -hmm. Judges don't know it either. (laughs) So they might try to deny it because they don't know the law. So Mm -hmm. be ready to help them read the law. You might even want to break out the code and or read it aloud for them because they're usually just not that bright. Now, I'm just saying, I'm not encouraging it, I'm not discouraging it, but a pro se litigant that wanted to get rid of a bad judge might be able to hire an attorney for one hearing and use a 170.6, get rid of their corrupt judge. 
and then go back to pro se, but you got rid of the bastard. Okay. Mm -hmm. Another option, 170.1 slash 170.3, disqualifying a judge for cause. This is ninja level. I can bet money that your attorney won't know how to do it because they've never done it because most attorneys are in the business of go along to get along Mm -hmm. and they don't want to challenge the judges for cause, even though they should. And it's basically malpractice that they don't do it. This is complicated. And another thing about a 170.1 is you're required to bring the action as early as humanly possible. Meaning you leave a hearing and a judge has called you a bitch you better file your 170.1 action immediately. You don't get to wait six months. If you do, they're going to deny it. And it's their get out of jail card. Mm-hmm. Um, it's their, you know, they made it that, oh, the, the motion isn't timely. Well, sometimes you take, you, it takes a few hearings because everyone's gaslighting the litigants saying, oh, the judge isn't so bad. They just haven't learned the case yet. No. You see that red flag, you see a judge, um, a nasty judge, you get rid of them. You you file the motion to recuse right away. Now, there's also these novel theories that people, and we'll go into that, and I'll show you, mm-hmm. you know, cases that have worked. And as we said, the entire s- sequence, the genesis of removing a judge is on Alex's website. Um, w- you know, I will even perhaps post word documents of it mm-hmm. so that the um, the document need not even be uh, converted into, um, you know, optical recognition. Um, things that uh, people should know that we'll, we'll also talk about. Maybe I'll ask Adam, uh, Alex, excuse me, to add um, a copy of the judicial canons is a guidebook that you should have oh, yes. while you're preparing this motion. Mm-hmm. Um Here's another big one that we'll talk about at the next uh, podcast that your judges stupid lawless orders are not part of a motion to disqualify. Let me say that again, folks. Shitty orders are not grounds for disqualification. You must not raise the judges orders or what they've done or they will immediately hit you with a sledgehammer and say your right and remedy is an appeal. You will fail. So go ahead, bring up an order and you're guaranteed to lose. So I know people think they want to reinvent the wheel, go right ahead, but read what, what we, um, we accomplished. Now I'll, I'll also, you know, set a little bit of a stage here. Um, the 170.1 motion to disqualify and remove a judge for cause Angelina Jolie, she lost hers the wealthiest, the biggest attorneys, they couldn't get theirs through. We got ours through. Okay. And then Brad Lund, the heir of Disney, heir of Disney. You want to talk about being rich? That's like gangster rich. That's like extra rich. That's like more than all the tea in China rich. Right. And he lost. So well-intended attorneys and they're rare and few and far, you know, between, um, sometimes raise the judge's orders and it's a guaranteed loser. So you have to bring up the conduct. You have to focus only on the despicable, unjudicial, disgusting conduct of these judges, which you have more material than you need and um, focus on that. 
-hmm. use the transcripts. Don't, don't write any conclusions. Don't say this judge is biased. You want to lose again? Go for that. Go ahead. Write (laughs) that. You have to just use their quotes and what that, what can, and that violates, and then you can win, but you do not work with your, um, interpretations, your opinions, just like in court, your opinion meant nothing. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? It's going to happen again because judges protect judges and judges protect judge crimes. And the only way that you're getting a judge off is that you raise the issue in a frame that this judge calls the entire judiciary into disrepute. You say, hey, look, and it is true. I do know there are some good judges, but they're not in on the fixed cases. So you can't Mm -hmm. complain to them because they don't know about the embezzlement and they think you're nuts. So you have to just go and say, the judge said this and it violates this can. And and here's the canon. It seemingly violates because you're not allowed as a litigant to make the conclusion that they violated a canon. You present what they said and you present the uh, that the violation of the canon. You let a judge decide if it violated the canon. It's not up to you. OK, that's the way it works. So if you go through that, you can win. You mm-hmm. can win, but you just have to know how to do it. And, um, you know, now when I walk into the court building, I am greeted with um, the bias from all judges that I removed a judge. And I also have that judge being investigated by the Commission on Judicial Performance. And I have spoken at the Commission on Judicial Performance hearings. And another um, new tactic that's going to come in my next motion to disqualify a judge will be that I'm going to have uh, independent persons who were um, court watchers kept out of attending my hearing. Uh, They took screenshots to evidence that the judge, um, this corrupt bastard pedophile freak, James Waltz, who has trafficked children um, into their rapist abusers. That's James Waltz, the pervert, um, who also likes to visit Southeast Asia. I got a copy of his Mm -hmm. passport so I can I can prove that. Uh, his visitations to Southeast Asia for I'm I'm sure young children um, mm. for you know disgusting purposes, um, but so uh, the the whole thing is we're going to have it, it, now the, the standard is not bias itself. You don't have to prove bias. It can be the appearance of bias, and so it's the one of the thresholds is would an independent observer doubt the impartiality of a judge? So I have multiple independent persons who are going to write declarations that they doubt the impartiality of the judge because they had, in fact, attempted to log on to the hearing. And in my hearing, my corrupt judge, James Waltz, pervert, said to his clerks, do not let anyone in. And corrupt pervert judge James Waltz also had his bailiff hang closed signs on the outside of my courtroom doors. Okay. That's, that's what these, you know, it's called star chambers. Mm -hmm. So um, we're going to go over all of that. Um, I think what we'll do is we'll have that uh, available on Alex's site where you'll have the motions. We did it um, a second mother. Um, We removed judge Nathan Vu all of two weeks after we removed him in my case. So he got removed twice. 
um, wow. the, the, the supervising judge on a separate <clears throat> case altered the court's records in both my case and uh, a woman, Maggie Davenport's case, um, stating that we had used a preemptory challenge to remove ju uh, Judge Vu, which is a lie. And so she's concealing her judge, uh, her subordinate judicial officer being removed for cause. Um, so that's that's a fraud upon the court. Mm -hmm. And uh, I took that up with the CJP as well as with the presiding judge. And folks, here's another one. I think that this is really healing. I hope it's healing for all of you. In order for the courts to be given respect, they must be respectable. Now, mm -hmm. I'm not encouraging you to go in, into the court and run your mouth and start you know, saying about the Constitution because they'll just laugh you out of the court. Mm -hmm. But when I go to the cafeteria at the courthouse... I am very respectful to the hardworking people there. And they're, <laughs> they're always wonderful. Uh, the judges, no. As some, maybe, I've met a couple, like I said, I've met a couple of nice, uh, you know, decent judges. But I'm not going into a courtroom shaking and afraid. Mm -hmm. I know that, th like, James Waltz, you know, he's part of child rape. And, uh, you know, he he's a horrible, decrepit, rotten soul. Mm -hmm. He doesn't get my respect. And now also, folks, don't reveal your hand. Like, if I'm going to mm -hmm. go and file a motion to beat his ass <sighs> when he sees me in court, sometimes I'll fake cry. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I don't cry. I didn't cry when he, when my children were kidnapped, mm -hmm. I knew that it meant war. So folks don't be so afraid, learn to be a warrior, learn that each and every fight you're getting better, you're learning new skills. And I, I talk about skull mountain and that's what I'm doing is I prey upon predators. So now I hunt the predators. Mm -hmm. I look for the fight. I can't wait to rip their faces off. I can't wait to expose them. I can't wait to have articles written about them. And folks, like a signature of involved that I'm involved in a court case, is I'll, I'll I'll get the judge off. I'll get them to recuse themselves. We'll we'll dig up dirt about their perversions, their affairs. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll help get it into the media. And guess what? Be loud. The idea of backing down and when they say be quiet, the reason judges mm -hmm. tell you to be quiet um, is because they're afraid of the court of public opinion. So that's where I go. Mm -hmm. Get and, and people are like, oh, my story in the media. Look, most people aren't interested in one story. You have to tell it in an institutional way because it's systemic. No one case like folks like look at Bill Cosby. Right. Mm -hmm. There was hundreds of victims and his case and the fact that he was let out on an appeal. I hope everyone's aware of that. Mm -hmm. You know, it was all set up. The case just disappeared in the wind. Right. Mm -hmm. There's no more reporting about it. Nobody cares. It just it, it left in the wind. And your case will do that too. help each other. Um, I encourage people, instead of you being the one person that wants help from 100 people, go and help 100 people. Because I do. I've touched mm -hmm. over 1,000 cases. And once my children age out, oh, just, you know, I'm just getting started. And once my children age out, I am going after this court full time. 
you know, hey, guys, I already work seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm going to be looking for an eighth day to take down these courts. So, you know, don't be afraid when you go into the courtroom. Realize that they're piece of shit criminals mm-hmm. up in those jury boxes. Realize that they're commuting law enforcement powers like custody evaluations mm-hmm. and, um, you know, to determine whether or not there's domestic violence or child abuse or child rape that some quack does not have the training and it's Mm-mm. it's a violation of your due process rights on its face because it's all ex-party secret communications and a lot mm-hmm. of times there's bribes pl- paid now here's some hope folks is the state of uh, colorado um val kimmer's a scumbag pervert brother i forget his first name but his last name is kilmer uh wonderful uh investigative journalism by propublica um once again the, the media is our watchdog um, did an, a, a very in-depth series about the corruption of custody evaluators. Also, uh, and so the state of Colorado began investigating um, that corrupt piece of crap, Quack Kilmer, mm-hmm. uh, and then it led to them investigating the entire court system. Uh, I myself am currently engaged with um, the Department of Consumer Affairs investigation investigation bureau because the board of psychology and like the board of behavioral sciences they're run by a bunch of uh you know fraternity members that just collect dues they're just Mm -hmm. worthless pieces of trash so um that's nothing more than public you know waste and corruption as well so go above them go Mm -hmm. get them in trouble um you know look at agencies like the cal uh the contractor state licensing board cslb in california look for um usually like a franchise in california the franchise tax board they're vicious the the irs is like not really that good and they're like slow to act but if you're in Mm -hmm. california it's called uh, the franchise tax board and um what i started pulling together there was there's a bunch of custody evaluators that demand cash only payments so then i got all the parents to start asking for proofs of their receipts and then i got a hold and then you just contact the franchise tax board you submit the uh you aggregate them because your one case like i said isn't going to save you go and you know find other parents on yelp go to the court see Mm -hmm. who's uh, being assigned to which corrupt evaluator aggregate the data send it into the franchise tax board and say hey look so uh we got like twenty thousand dollars of cash receipts here and i was just wondering i mean i don't know i mean i'm not an investigator but you know maybe this person didn't pay taxes on those twenty thousand dollars of cash Mm -hmm. i'll leave that up to you boom yeah. Start a wildfire every day. You know, it's like the power of one. You know, if you go and you drop one match, you, you can cause billions of dollars in damage. Start wildfires all over the place around these people. Encircle <laughs> them in flames. And guess what? They'll start snitching on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, find other warriors. Don't sit and cry about what your ex did. And guess what? The court doesn't care at all if somebody cheated. Not at all. So don't waste mm-hmm. your breath. And if you bring up stuff like cheating, you're going to get in trouble. The court should be like doing your taxes. Um, and you know, like if you had like a totally corrupt IRS agent that like was like, I want to take a hundred percent of your income, you'd be like, no, like I'm going to report you. It's the same thing with these judges. So don't don't let these corrupt people ever get their mittens on you. But if they do, 
um, there are people who know how to fight and we'll go through boot camp. But in the meantime, you can look at postmodern justice media project. Um, I'll have add Alex add the judicial canons book. Most of these things you can just Google search it in your own local jurisdiction. Um, you can go on your um, like each state has their own judicial oversight. Usually they have exemplar complaints that caused a judge to lose their judgeship. Look at the complaints. Look at what the um, attorneys wrote up to take a judge off the bench. Those are the offending criterias, not bad orders. Okay, mm -hmm. folks, stay away. Like bad orders are taboo. Just like don't talk about infidelity in court. Don't talk about bad orders when you want to remove a judge or complain about a judge. Mm -hmm complain about their conduct. Removing mm -hmm. a judge is about their conduct, not their orders. No matter how unconstitutional their orders are, um, yeah, they know that they're unconstitutional. They went to law school. They're just, but the conduct, the way that they talk to you, the way that they cut off your attorney, the way that they cut you off, they deprive you of the right to be heard. That in at least in California is a violation of judicial canon 3E7. That's 3 Echo 7. So that all being said, look at the conduct only. Conduct, conduct, conduct mm -hmm. to remove a judge, not orders. You know, what I've done, and I, I won't keep you too much longer, yeah. but what I've done since I've filed all my complaints to where they should go, then you get the Namby Pamby letter back. And then you can write them back and say, hey, I want this case opened on this attorney because of blah, blah, blah. And then <clears throat> you don't hear anything, but some things can happen. You know, they could send another attorney in, in that person's place. And so, you know, something must have happened by complaining. Well, here's, here's the issue that you've just actually opened up a Pandora box. because I'll try to be brief on this. There's actually a gauntlet, a procedural gauntlet, so that your complaints to the uh, judicial oversight boards cannot go forward. And the number one thing that there's an absolute necessity that the steps are, one, you must complain about your judge to their presiding judge. You cannot go directly to the judicial oversight board. People always make that complaint. You are guaranteed to get nothing. Item number two, the Commission on Judicial Performance or whatever name they call yourself in your state, they cannot act when a judge is currently on your case. OK, so oh, the, the steps are this one, get rid of your judge and then you can make a complaint or start complaining to the presiding. That's step number one. Step number two, you'll get your mamby pamby bullshit response from the presiding. Once you get that and the judge and the presiding judge has a maximum of between 30 to 90 days to respond. But once you get that mamby pamby gloss over discredit gaslight Stonewall Railroad and gaslight you response, you have 30 days to act. You respond to the judge and you the presiding judge and you tell them that their response is non-responsive and does not address the concerns and have they reported the conduct that you have outlined of their subordinate judicial officer to the oversight board because you believe that should be done boom you've now hit the go button then you take your initial complaint the, the presiding's response and your reply. And now you send that to the judicial oversight board and you say, I am complaining about this presiding, not overseeing, not regulating the conduct of the subordinate judicial officer. 
that is when the commission must act. And unless you've done those steps, this is what you're going to get. So guess what, folks? I have a story to tell because I've actually done it. This whole, oh, no, they never do anything. Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, if you don't want to follow the steps and you want to go reinvent the wheel and not follow the procedure, then I guess they're going to do nothing. It's like, well, I had, you know, a match, but I didn't have any wood. I have no idea why I didn't have a bonfire. It's like, well, (laughs) (laughs) you needed the wood. Um, So we'll we'll go into that and um a lot of states in california they actually told me that my judicial complaints are private but mm-hmm. i'll still I'll, I'll i'll publish a bunch of complaint letters now some of my complaints you guys will faint you know i've written 30 pages single spaced mm-hmm. and then like okay respond to that i want to i want a response they don't like it because it's all factual Mm-hmm. And then they have to sit and take the time. Now, that's another one is it's kind of like a gang, like swamp your presiding. If you get 50 people to all write complaints about judges to the presiding, that judge isn't going to have time to do anything. And they're by law required to respond to all 50 of you, but write meaningful complaints. And mm-hmm. so I'll get Alex to post that. It'll be like a how to defeat a judge 101 box. And, I, you know, and, and if I can share it with you or you can have the link so oh, that yeah. the data is all in, in multiple places for people to access. Because, folks, I understand, you know, I've been at this nine years. So feeling like you're overwhelmed and having to learn this. I spent several hundred hours studying this. It's not like I just figured it out. Uh, a lot of work went into it. And, you know, it's kind of like, right, I'm not lucky. I just work 10 times harder than I probably should have to. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, it like the Court of Appeal, folks, 1% actually of, of appeals, actually something happened with it, 1%. So you better get it right at the trial court, but you better not even go into the trial court, stay out of the courts. Mm-hmm. But if you're in there, yeah. Will give you some tools to survive. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, hey, I'm so glad you came on. It's and always a pleasure. You're such well, a good human. You're such well, a good human. Oh, definitely. Don't jump off. Okay. Slam the Gavels, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I am your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again here with Angel and Alex in the future here. So thank you so very much. I've learned so much, and we're all learning from you both, and I appreciate you. Our, our, our pleasure, our joy. It's, it's time for us to survive together. Yes. Thank you.